0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets.
1: We're at Zupan's right now. You can really enjoy their love local bent, uh, or whatever you might call it. And one of my favorites is their uh, Ruby Jewel ice cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can listen to that podcast, Lisa Herlinger, uh, a few years ago, they make The incredible ice cream sandwiches, for instance, try these on for size, size lemon and lavender, I mean, lemon and honey lavender, brown sugar, and of course, Oregon strawberry, Uh, dark chocolate and fresh mint, double chocolate and peanut butter coming soon, ginger and pumpkin and chocolate and peppermint candy, of course, for the holidays.
0: Very nice. And speaking of the holidays, Chris, and nice desserts, let's talk about uh, Puddin River, which is uh, some great Amish heritage Uh, candy that's made locally in Canby, Oregon. Uh, You're talking about peanut butter pie, salted caramel, shortbread cookies, hazelnut toffee, chocolate caramel grams, all made, as I mentioned, out there in Canby. So again, we've talked about Zupans being locally focused, and this is just highlighting that fact.
1: Right. And also, if you are focused and getting the news feed from Zupans, you sign up there, you would know this weekend only, from October thirtieth to November first, they've got twenty-five percent off their fantastic lamb and veal. And of course, everyone knows that there is no better meat department butcher in
0: Portland than the three locations of Zupan's, which are Court. You've got McAdam, you've got West Burnside, you've got Lake Oswego, and always where Zupans.com. All right, time once again. It's Portland's food scene podcast. It's right at the fork with your host Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures,
1: and Court Johnson over there. In I assume you're not in the studio. You're home.
0: No, I'm actually I'm in a studio. I'm just in a studio that does not have a camera, so I can see you, Chris, but you can't see me.
1: Aren't you lucky? I didn't even run my fingers through my hair yet. So there
0: I go. It's all now good. You can see. You get the the yeah. the Chris Angelus bedhead.
1: Well, no, I was just out on the beach. It's actually the Chris Angeles uh, ha- beach beach, beach hair sandy beach
0: hair. There you go. Nice.
1: Hat hair affair. Nice. So Ooh. that's what it is. So um, at any rate, I'm excited to meet up with you because today's podcast, I think was, I believe it was pr- no disrespect to anybody else who's been on the podcast, but I think we had the most fun that we've had since the pandemic began. Sure. With Kiara Hardy and Crystal Mathis, her partner in love and in business, uh, although one is a vendor for the other, which we'll explain in a second. But we had Kiara and Crystal on, I believe it was late February before the uh, pandemic hit. You're welcome, anybody is welcome to go back and listen to that as a companion podcast to this one. That was episode number 234. And um, there you can hear a little bit more about Kiara's past, what brought her to Portland, which of course was the Portland trails blazers acquisition of Hassan Whiteside. So she's the private chef for Hassan Whiteside actually technically was, and still may be, but there's no contract at this point because they don't know where the NBA is going. Right. Um, but at any rate, she made it to Portland with her partners, got a wonderful um business uh, called Press Release Marketing, Crystal, who's helped Kiara build her business and other businesses as well. And so Kiara is more than just a private chef to one person. She does, uh, she handles some, um, you know, placement of chefs in Florida where she's from and some private dining down there. She does a lot. And so we thought it would be a great idea to catch up since if you listen to that episode number 234, there's no mention of a pandemic even on the way. And we're trying to find story positive stories coming out of the last few months um, of what people have done to build their business and sustain. And um, I think this is a pretty good one because Kiara has hooked up with Capital Bar and she's become their, I guess, chef consultant there to build their food program. Nice. Um, it was a, just a vegan-only place, and now she's serving her um, pretty unique food, which she'll talk about in the podcast. The, she calls it Floribian. Um, so you can just conjure up and anybody can conjure up in that mind what that might entail for them or what that me- might mean to them. So um, both – it's, it's – one of the advantages to doing this at home court is it's easier to put two people – on mic oh yeah
0: yeah you know but in some cases you just get both of them in front of one computer and you're good to go
1: that's what they are i don't think we have any vision i have visuals but it's great they have uh nicely set up with the kitchen killer which i didn't mention that is chiara's business kitchen killer with the kitchen killer logo behind them and all sorts of nice little alcoholic beverages on on shelves uh so It was a nice setup, but it was a fun interview yesterday. We take we walked through um, not only what Kiara has done in the food world since uh, March, but also some of her thoughts on Black Lives Matter. Of course, both um, we don't have a visual here, but of course both Kiara and Crystal are African American, so here they were plunked down in Portland, Oregon. to witness a lot of what's gone on in portland which is i view it as kind of ground zero for a lot of the sure yeah the um so we get some thoughts on that as well and i think crystal's got some interesting perspectives too because she used to be a military police officer so um there's someone to tap into to yeah. see uh, She thinks of everything. So at any rate, they're happy living in West Lynn and love Portland. And of course, some of their, uh, some of their future depends on what happens with either Hassan Whiteside's contract or someone else's, because she does mention that she could ostensibly um, generate a contract with another trailblazer to stay here at some point. So um, at any rate, Uh, I think that's enough. I think that speaks for, I think the podcast will speak for itself and that's just an introduction. Yeah, you've
0: primed the pump as it were.
1: I think so. And I had a lot of fun with them. And I'll tell you what, when you turn on the audio, the video, it helps make it a little more fun. When you can see, when you can see your interviewees face, right? um, There's a little more energy going on. So I hope everybody feels the energy that I felt and um, and enjoys this interview. And again, go back and listen to 234, which would go into more of Kiara and Crystal's past, how they met and hooked up and all that stuff too. So, uh Take a listen.
2: Right at the fork is supported by Zupan's Markets. Whether you're an expert chef or a connoisseur of great cuisine, Zupan's Markets has been the number one destination for the food and wine lovers of Portland and beyond for over 40 years. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego, or zupans.com. Ringside Steakhouse. It's time again to slice into the best steaks and service available in Portland. Seating is now available by reservation only for indoor and outdoor dining at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out the newly opened New England-style fish and ship spot with a Northwest personality, Rock Paper Fish, a partnership between the Peterson family and Portland icon Micah Camden in the Old Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside for takeout only. And by Portland Food Adventures. Cabin Fever? Book a fantastic culinary vacation in 2021 with podcast host Chris Angelus. Experience the best of Basque Country with Javier Cantares of Urdaneta or Western Sicily with Taste of Italy's Austria Enzyme. Wet your appetite and get more information at portlandfoodadventures.com or contact Reddit the Four Coast Chris Angelus for more details.
1: Yeah, it's been kind of a strange time. I wanted to chat with you. So the last time we saw each other, because we can't really, well, we can see each other. I've seen a lot of you on social, that's for sure, and on television. Um, But the last time we saw each other, our meeting, our podcast that we recorded, was the last one we did before this stuff, all the stuff hit months ago.
2: Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I think it was right before we even knew something was coming. So uh, at any rate, I thought it would be a really, it would be a good idea to catch up because part of uh, one of the um, themes of the podcast is we've always wanted everything to be evergreen. So if we have seven years worth of episodes and we like that people can tune into episodes from four years ago and they're relevant. However, one of the things we found about the pandemic now is all of a sudden listening to something when things were normal is it's very, weird. So it's very my, weird. It's really weird. And then, so we did a couple of months of talking to restaurateurs and chefs and other people in the industry about um, what had happened to them and what they were doing in the midst of this. And it was a couple of months of kind of depressing podcasts. <laughs> I can weird. imagine. And, yeah and those podcasts really wouldn't stand the test of time either that that litmus test because no one wants to listen to that in a year or two but now we're coming to a point where we can find some people who have learned something from the podcast have built new things and we can start being positive again i think we don't know but uh,
3: it may be safe to be positive now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: right. So it seemed to me when I saw what both of you were doing, um, that you have some really—you've done a lot. You and you're in a very interesting position compared to most of the types of guests that we have on Right at the Fork. Yeah. Usually they're Portland chefs, right? And they have restaurants, and now they've got to figure out what to do with the restaurants. You—you you have a little more flexibility, right? You don't have—you <laughs> don't have. Um, you don't have payroll to deal with, the big, you know, I'm sure you hire some people to do things, but right. you don't have payroll to deal with, you don't have a physical restaurant that you have to figure out. So you've had some opportunities. So um, I guess at some point, you two need to do some talking. I have to give the floor. <laughs> at <laughs> yeah. But at any rate, so tell us a little bit about, um, why don't you go back to March and tell us- yeah. who, give us a little timeline of your feelings when you discovered, Mm -hmm. I'd like to go through it Were your feelings when you discovered there was going to be a pandemic and you're, uh, you know, a private chef for Hassan Whiteside and all of a sudden what's going on with the Blazers. And then of course, now here you two are in the middle of Portland, Oregon and (laughs) all this shit hits the fan with black lives matter in the middle of this. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
3: For sure, for sure. Um, So so for me, uh, we were in the middle of a home stretch in terms of the NBA season um, when when the NBA decided to suspend the season. Um, So I had already been working, I don't know, I think six days straight at that point because they had been on, you know, they had been home. Um, And then the NBA suspended the season. And so that, you know, that kind of turned into a whirlwind of, oh, my God, let me get this house together because we didn't know. Uh, what was gonna happen are the stores gonna shut down are the grocery stores is the entire state gonna shut down you know we went from you know buying meals every meal to let me go to the store and get a, a, a seven foot deep freezer and and, and stock up and, and plan meals for the next 44 days and ensure that we have every product and every baby food and every everything absolutely possible you know what I mean so it, it became very stressful. Um, and, and what was interesting was that watching other chefs, watching my counterparts who worked in restaurants, um, do the opposite. They all, you know, their, their restaurants shut down or they had nowhere to go. And me, I was begging for help. I'm like, could somebody please go to the grocery store for me? Um, so it, it, was, it was absolutely crazy. I think I worked, um, I don't know, maybe 27 days straight, um, just trying to make sure that we were ready for whatever was coming. Um, and then once there was some sort of understanding, okay, well, you know, there's going to be a, a shutdown, but grocery stores are still open. Then we got back into this regular, uh, what regular <laughs> uh, method of of movement. Um, but again, you know, the NBA season was suspended. We had no idea what was happening. Um, and that happened and,
1: pretty quickly, didn't it? I mean, the NBA yeah. was the first one to say we've got this. We're shutting down, and that oh, was for sure.
3: yeah. Oh for that sure. Awesome.
1: That went from when I believe the date generally was like March 12th or 13th when the the quote unquote president um <laughs> banned travel to and from Europe. I think that was that was my first indication that this is going to be
3: right. Something this is
1: going to be serious. Non, yeah, something serious. For sure. But that for happened sure. pretty quickly. They didn't they just shut down the NBA and then didn't tell you what was going to happen. And right. then no, uh, but you still have someone you need to Cook for right, so right,
3: and and, and then that cooking happened, you know, frequently because now the person I have to cook for is home all day long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it 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 definitely it definitely amplified my you know my my cooking and 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 free you know increased the frequency of it. Um, And then there was the NBA bubble, Um, and you know we I work on most private chefs work on year to year contracts. So when there is, you know, a bubble and, uh, you know, just uncertainty, uncertainty on when the um, season is going to restart, when it's going to end and all those types of things, we had to create some certainty for ourselves here in our household, you know. Um, so then it just became, OK, how, how are we going to maneuver and figure out um, how to generate some income, how to make sure that our businesses are still thriving, um, and like you said, you know, because we don't work in restaurants per se, um, we don't have the overhead of a, of a you know, $15,000 lease or mortgage or whatever the case may be and having to make payroll. Uh, we did have some flexibility um, in, in terms of trying to figure out, you know, how do we go about still maintaining, um, obviously, paying the bills, but also just keeping our brands alive um, and making sure that we could still be creative. You know, I'm still an artist in, in this culinary world, and I still want to be able to, you know, do what I do and have an, an outlet for my, create, you know, creativity.
1: Well, you know, and you had, going into this, aside from your private chef and your contract that you have with A Blazer, you also were doing some catering, too. And I would imagine catering gigs all of a sudden were drying up. I know that for that sure. a lot of restaurants. So,
3: <laughs> Definitely. Um,
1: and, and on top of that, you, at the time, I don't know the exact timeline, but you haven't been in Portland that long to have established yourself as a catering option for many. So. Um, you know, you had, but but you do have some advantages there too because you've got relationships with Blazers and, therefore, additional re- relationships with people like Terry and all the people at Lux Christies who do a lot of events that kind of thing,
3: right. too. Right. But
1: so, but so, but you, you had some opportunities, and then also, um, Crystal, your ace publicist over there, and I will say that I say that, and I'm not just blowing smoke. Um, I will say that from what I've seen, she does a marvelous job keeping you out there and on television. You know, there are a lot of chefs, in Portland that could be on television.
3: I, I believe Correct. that. I believe and that. How did, does... you, how did you work that where
1: you became like the K2 go-to?
3: <laughs> well, K2 has a number of uh, really cool chefs and and culinarians who come on frequently. I'm lucky, you know, to be one of them. Um, but but Chris, like you said, Crystal's amazing. Uh, and she's great at building relationships, great at uh, making sure that you know, folks know who I am and know how we can be mutually beneficial to all types of brands and and different outlets. So uh, she's great at what she does for a living. She owns a marketing company, a brand development. Um, so, you know, I, I tell people when I introduce her all the time, you know, people think they get all worked up about over the kitchen killer thing. I say, guys, you would not know me if you were, if it wasn't for her.
1: Um, Yeah, well, I certainly, you know, look, just having a relationship with Instagram and Facebook. And as you said, there are a lot of um, chefs that could be on TV. But I'm very aware of your presence because I don't watch I don't watch K2 as a man. You know, I don't have that on, but she brings it into my house. But on on top of that, you know, I noticed all the um, all the people who had shows on TV at the seven o'clock hour you know uh, on Fox 12 they're all gone you know the ones who right. are hosting chefs and going out in the field and going into kitchens right. they they have let them go because they're for too long I guess they couldn't be face to face with chefs and do their job the way they wanted to do it so yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's remarkable that you were able to, in the midst of all of this, find a way to promote yourself, too. So that's great.
4: Yeah, you know, uh, Chris, and first of all, thank you for having us. And thank you for allowing us to continue to tell this story of Chef Kiara Hardy, Kitchen Killer, and, and Press Release Marketing, because it's getting better and better with the times we struggled. You know, her business was the exact opposite of mine when the pandemic hit. She went into high gear as far as really still having a client and really having money still coming in. Well, my clients, their Kiara is one of my clients. Their businesses were shut down. You know, I do have restaurant clients um, and, and and lawyers and and gyms and people who interact with the public. So my clients were instantly shut down. But what I understood is that in this time, people were going to be looking for something new and something fresh. So I didn't stop working, even though I wasn't making any money. Um, I I went into overtime of like, let's still be present. Let's show people we can still do what we are supposed to be doing um, work-wise, profession-wise. And so with Kiara, K2 was happy to still have the content. Um, And and, and K2 was just the beginning of a lot of pivots that we were able to make post-COVID just by staying consistent, even though things were shut down and that was kind of weird but we still managed to try to figure out how do we still at least work even though there's no you know real outside open there's no real applause there's nobody really necessarily there uh we just still kept pushing
1: yeah that's been the tough thing is to at least still uh for some of us feel like we're working right when there isn't much going on so uh you want to keep it going so um but you had the K two thing, you had that. Those appearances were started before the pandemic, so you yes. had right, and yeah. it wasn't long before. But the talk about good timing, it was pretty. Yeah, good I want to say yeah. we
3: started K two in January. I think so. So we started right. doing K two. I want to say in January, um, and we were going to the studio, and then at right as soon as uh, Corona, you know, uh, we we started doing it via Zoom and mm-hmm. and you know, Skyping in and all those things, um, and it, it worked. I mean, they 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 didn't miss a beat in terms of getting that, you know, technology up and, right. and, and making sure that it worked. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, we rolled right into it and I, it's been fun. You know, I think it, it allowed us to create other relationships. Now we have a partnership with Basco Appliances. So we use their 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 showroom to go mm-hmm. in and film live. Um, so it again, you know, coronavirus, the, the, the pandemic, it's all been incredibly challenging. Um, you know, but I think a testament to just our entrepreneurship spirit and, mm-hmm. and just wanting to stay busy um, is building relationships, you know, and, and we've taken this time to definitely go out and build relationships and, and see how we could, you know, be not just beneficial, you know, to ourselves, but others as well. I I have
1: to hand it to you. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: And I was going to say, you know, the Basco, she mentioned it briefly,
4: but I just want to make clear, you know, Basco is one of the largest kitchen designers in the Pacific Northwest, especially here in the Portland area. And they too, you know, things changed with them when the pandemic hit. Who's buying $30,000 kitchens right now? You know, and and some people are, but you got to get creative about how you put that out there. And so with her having a partnership to cook in those kitchens is really going to be a great time. So, you know, it's going to be fun. We'll be cooking like we did before um, the pandemic kind of got underway, uh, but really putting those meals together every Friday in those real, uh, those cool Bosco kitchens, mm-hmm. um, but giving them an opportunity to partner with the local, to build a relationship, to come into the virtual space, all of these things that we should have been doing. Pre-pandemic, pre-COVID nineteen, we're now forced to do, and, and Kiara is the kind of chef that can do it because she's been doing it before it hit. So that's really cool about her pivot.
1: Well, that's also where I have to hand it to you, Crystal, too. And no, nothing against you, Kiara. You too. You were you. <laughs> you're the you're the person on this. But there's no shortage of chefs in Portland that have names that a Basco would want to have in their kitchen. I, you know, if I were their marketing director, I'd be, you know, at right off the bat saying, well, who is this person? You know, because you haven't been in Portland for a long time.
3: Right, right. And so there's
1: no shortage. So the fact that you were able, you've been able to get in there, I think is, is fantastic.
2: <laughs> so, um,
3: I, I think um, it's awesome. Um, again, you know, when I first linked with Crystal, you know, how many years ago? That was like three years ago. Um, as I was building my business, I said, okay, I got to take this to the next level. And I've always considered myself a culinary entrepreneur. You know, I'm a chef. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. You know, I cook, but I, when I got my very first cooking job, I said it would be the last time I worked for somebody. You know, I didn't want to be an employee. Um, And I, and there's absolutely positively nothing wrong with being an employee. I need employees. Everybody needs employees. Um, And, and typically chefs are artists and, and I am that, but I always knew that I wanted my business to transcend outside of the kitchen. I wanted to be able to, you know, uh, be a culinary consultant. I wanted to be able to be, you know, a television personality. There are a number of things that I wanted for my business and for my brand, um, and because, and that's why I brought Crystal in, you know, to to Kitchen Killer and to help expand the brand and build it, you know, the right way. Um, so I think that although there are some really amazing chefs both here, at Portland, everywhere. Um, i think because i'm looking to do those things where some chefs are often you know just kind of with their head down cooking uh, and they they're probably 10 times as good as chefs as i am you know but i think we all want different things out of the culinary industry um and so i i think it's super important just to figure out what you want out of this industry and then put the people in place to to help you get them you know
1: i think you've got one big advantage though
3: what's that oh, <laughs>
1: Is that in that uh, when this all happened, you know, finances got very tough. So a lot of restaurants and chefs, right. probably one of the first calls they made was to their PR firm to say, <laughs> to say goodbye. Yeah, I like, know because I, mean, I was getting those calls. <laughs> I know. Exactly. But since you're life partners, there was <laughs> right. no way you were going to make that call. and right, say goodbye.
3: No. It's, it's essential that our household still runs. So. <laughs> exactly. so you
1: have someone who, you know, regardless of whether there was income coming in on Crystal's side, I don't know how much there was. Right. You were absolutely motivated because otherwise, if you were sitting around on your phone playing uh, or, you know, playing videos uh, games all day, Kiara was going to look at you and go, what, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: Definitely. I mean, because so that was Go ahead. I'm s- I was going to say definitely that was the show and tell moment. Like, okay, I have to earn my keep <laughs> right <laughs> now because she was really all I had. <laughs> so it, it was a lot of fun, though, working on her stuff during that time. Uh, mm-hmm. It was scary, but it was the most creative moments you can create when you really have nothing. You don't have the world. You don't have the cheerleaders. You don't have things that are open. You have to be the most creative you can be.
1: Well, and you also have a little more time to be creative too because yes. you had less responsibility with other clients so now let's just get this going and i'll tell you to thinking about it uh to be in the midst middle of portland oregon in the middle of all this i mean, i mean i think i look at portland as the um i guess i should think of the the right term for this but it's kind of yeah um ground zero of Definitely pandemic and all the protests going on. I mean, there's nowhere else. I think nationally, everybody would look to Portland and think, wow, that's they think it's a war zone. It's not necessarily. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they,
3: they totally do. We got lots of calls from our family in South Florida. Like, you guys better be safe and make sure you're not out there. And I was like, dude, we live in Westland.
2: It's yeah. very calm out it's here. Quiet.
1: <laughs> it's really bad downtown. It's right. really bad. Um and, and by the way, during the day it's it just looks terrible. Right. But, and I'm not I'm really not one to um to editorialize on all of this because I'm ninety miles away. And I'm <laughs> right here. That.
4: we're too far to you know what I mean, to comment on that one as much. Yeah. Come I on. mean I, yeah.
1: That's the I feel. Yeah, yeah. But you also, you know, we were also planning to do an event, right, to, um, and so we were going to, it was, I thought it was going to be pretty cool, and maybe we can at some point, but think about what, think about the the bones of that. So we were going to do a breaking bread and get some um, black folks and white folks at the table together, and we hadn't really figured out how to how that was really going to work, but we were doing it, and we were working on that with the Gorums,
4: right? You know,
1: at Plaza del Toro, that was yeah. going to be an event we were all working on, and now they don't exist. That well, they do, the humans exist, but Plaza <laughs> del Toro yeah, doesn't. Right. Exist, and and John and Renee, who uh, you know are very dear to me, are in Bend, Oregon. Who would have thought that? You know, they're gone out of town. Seven restaurants or nine restaurants, and they'd been here for years. And from the time that we were planning that, right, which was May, I think? Yeah. Not very long thereafter, that's gone. Right. Yeah. So, um,
4: and Chris, I think we went into the this era of Black Lives Matter really innocent really like a, a, a white guy and a couple of a, a Black females as friends wanting to deepen our relationship. Let's have an event together. But the way Black Lives Matter really exploded into like civil unrest globally, we had to really look at the pieces because all of a sudden it's, it hit close to home with Renee and, and and her husband. And it was just, you know, well, what do we do now? How do we still be a part of the movement? Um, and I think Kiara and I just decided to commit to excellence, be excellent as a chef, be excellent as a marketer and, and, and try to get into spaces that we may not have been before so that we can amplify black voices in those spaces as best mm-hmm. as possible. But I think we started out with really pure intentions, not understanding that this is a huge, huge undertaking right. with
1: so many feelings involved
4: mm-hmm. and history. It, it
1: wasn't quite as huge when we said, let's get together. It was more fun. Exactly. Let's how do we get, you know, how do we make it work financially? But how do we get, like, how do we get the right people together talking? And it was really fun. And it did not take long until personally, I mean, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here. Personally, I was nervous about it all. Like, I don't know. Right. I, don't, I want to be involved with this right now. It's too volatile. Right. And and I don't think I was far, I was off base because to do that at that time downtown right. uh, was, yeah. was a lot. Of rough. Nothing right.
3: was predictable in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things things got out of control very, very quickly. Um, so so you know, it was very right of you to be concerned and, mm. and to be afraid. Yeah, <laughs> because it wasn't something, you know, and and what we say normal times that would have been something that you could have smoothly pulled off, particularly in Portland, because I think that oh, yeah. you know I, I think Portland is the place you know to to, have to be able to have conversations and people get together. But in that moment, um, again, it just it was so unpredictable. I don't know that that would have just been a good idea, you know.
1: I think it still is a little unpredictable, but not quite. So, you know, I've been in touch with uh, John. Gorham and you know they're, they're gone already which is crazy to me but you know we've talked about it and he thought maybe if he'd hung on a little longer and just not reacted so quickly maybe things would agree be I think he's happy I think they're happy to start a new life after all of this but yeah. the point is at that point in uh June and July I felt like I don't even know how to talk right I just all I would and I put it on Facebook I just want to listen so I don't want to talk. And I have a bad habit of talking. That's um, <laughs> why so I have a podcast. But um, but I was really nervous about saying the wrong thing. And, you know, I've had this podcast for seven years and never never had moments where I was like, did I say the right thing? Did I? What just happened? You know, how did I position this? And it's uh, I think we're kind of coming out of it. I don't know. I but, mean, I uh, think the way I
4: look at it is there needs to be cultural and racial sensitivities in place as diverse as America, right? Mm -hmm. And so this opportunity for us all to pause and consider how the next race or even gender or sexual identifying situation um, feels in the land of the free and the home of the brave is important. And so I think this pause was necessary. I think this pause brought us even closer together because we had a chance to exchange some emails about Black Lives Matter that we wouldn't have done before. And I think that this was important for Black folks to stop sweeping their feelings under the rug. And I think it was important for white folks to come together and say, you know, I think my brothers and sisters may be feeling something even in 2020. And so now we have this beautiful relationship that we can all forge without any hidden stuff and and so i kind of appreciate it It, it's it was tough for us all scary for us all i mean even as a black woman i was afraid to voice my feelings and voice some of my anger but in doing so and being forced to i think we're having better relationships with everybody that stuck
1: around right well, you know, we always think we're at the most enlightened stage that we are, right? We always say, oh, I, I get it now. I mean, I look yeah. back 20, 30 years, I knew nothing. Right. So but I feel like I'm way more enlightened now than I was in March when we first right. met. But I'm sure there's a lot more to go
2: for, for, sure. for me
1: as, as yeah. a white male. And, you know, I'm getting older. So <laughs> um, I, I find it all uh, very interesting. But I think we're just really starting the process, and what's most important is that we get the things in place in our government and socially, right. so that the real changes can be made, and I'll tell you, there's one thing about this administration the last four years, you talk, talk about things being hidden and underground, no, 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 you can see how bad it is, right, and, and, and what's going on, so I think at least it's come out, you know, the, a lot has been uncovered, Yeah. And that's uh, understandable. So.
0: Hey, Chris. Let's pause a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat again, Ringside Steakhouse.
1: That's right. 75 years the Peterson family has owned it. I wonder if we're going on. No, it's 75.
0: 75 plus plus one. I think maybe.
1: Right, but the 75th year was a challenging one for Ringside as well as other restaurants, and you know they've been doing their kits, their steak sales. Uh, Since uh, April or May, and now in the middle of August, they're opening their doors and they're taking reservations for indoor and outdoor dining. They've got a tent set up outside. So I am really happy that uh, tomorrow night, Friday, we're going to celebrate the the reopening of Ringside Steakhouse and the reopening of dining out. It's so nice to be able to do that again.
0: Yeah, and and you pointed out making those reservations at RingsideSteakhouse dot com or using the uh, Open Table app, but that's the only way you can do it. You used to be able to maybe show up and be able to get into the bar or possibly get a, a table if you were lucky, like on a weeknight. But now you need to do a reservation.
1: They have to be. They have to f- figure out their seating plan. So make a reservation. And then there's another thing that's exciting. We've been hearing a lot uh, about what's going on in Portland and. Some of it hasn't been that good, but this is great news an opening of a new place, which is a partnership between the Peterson family of ringside and also our friend Micah Camden of Blue Star Donuts fame fame and Little Big Burger fame. And of course, one of my favorites, uh, super deluxe. He's opening in the former boxer ramen space on East Burnside. I think it's 26th Um, is uh, Rock. Paper fish. This is this speaks to me. New England style fish and chips with a Northwest uh, personality too. So, uh, Micah, when he does something, um, you know it's going to be good. And for the Peterson family to be involved, they're not putting their name on just anything. So this would be something really cool to check out. That, unlike Ringside, now is takeout only for a while until things. We get out of this COVID situation.
0: That's right. So don't forget, make those reservations for both indoor and outdoor for Ringside Steakhouse at ringsidesteakhouse.com.
1: And check out Rock Paper Fish as well. That should be fun for you. I think I, when we last spoke, we talked about your impressions of Portland. Now let's hear your impressions of Portland. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we love Portland.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't think that has changed at all. Um, uh, we we do love Portland. Obviously, you know our family is in South Florida. We totally totally miss our family. Uh, we miss some of the familiarity of South Florida, but but uh, I, we really love Florida. I mean, or South or Portland. I'm sorry. Yeah. We do. We we love the people well, here. People have. Uh, <laughs> people I, have you know? I know. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the folks here have embraced us um, and uh, we love the weather. You know, we love just the energy of Portland. Uh, we love being able to come out and just like you said, you know, walk into rooms and um, create, you know, create opportunities for ourselves. Um, and so uh, I don't know that I, I don't think there's anything better than that. And again, Portland's been it's so welcoming towards us um, that we can't, you know, how can we not like it, you know? And,
4: well, that's and, cool. and, we, and we, we really, we could have gone home. You know, when Kiara's contract ended with Hassan Whiteside, we could have literally gone home. I mean, it would have been weird timing to move in the middle of a pandemic and and civil unrest, but we thought about the pace of Portland. We love the pace of this place. We love the the scenery, the changing of seasons here. We like the opportunities that are here to amplify black voices and and to be pioneers in our our industry. We we looked at all of the, we made a list and and Oregon really won for us as far as thinking about what we wanna do with our lives in the next five to 10 years. And we saw a lot of potential here. So we decided, I mean, we don't know the whole future but we decided to stay a little longer.
1: So, so, but is it, how much of your future is tied to that? And how much of is it, is it tied to Hassan and where he and ends so, up? I don't, I'm not a, I, I'm not privy to his contract. And so I don't know.
2: But, you know, so.
4: um, great question. When that contract ended, you know, we just really focused in on our own things that we were focusing on before, her catering business, my marketing company. So none of that is attached to anybody else. And that's the
3: beautiful part about it. We're just out here on our own figuring it out. Yeah. Those contracts are from year to year. Um so, so particularly with the unsurety of, of the NBA season, we don't know when it's starting, when it's, you know, when it's when it's going to resume. Um, so in this moment, I'm now a retainer. I am just building my business. Um, and as the season starts, we don't know, you know, again, if Hassan's gonna be uh his, he's a free agent. Um you know obviously there are 15 other trailblazers here in the city. So we don't know, you know, what's going to happen when the season restarts. Quite honestly, as a as a private chef to an athlete, uh, you're you're most valuable in the midst of the season. Um, so that's not even something that's on my radar right now until whenever the season uh, resumes. Um, and if somebody needs me, then here I am. You know what I mean. But in, in the meantime, literally from June right um, until January, you know, we had to put some things in place to say how how are we going to maintain our household. You know, how are we going to build our business and not wait around on what the, if the coronavirus let the NBA players play you
1: know and and the and the awesome relief package that's out there right now for you as an option that's fantastic right whole uh, $150 a week or something <laughs> <laughs>
4: well you know Kiara's latest uh partnership is with a local bar here in uh Portland Oregon and so that kind of prohibits any assistance but it's an exciting venture I don't know if you want to Going to the oh, I wanted to talk about that.
3: Um. So. So now, uh, what I'm working on now is a partnership with Capital Bar in uh, in Portland. They're on Broadway, Northeast Broadway, I believe, and 15th. And uh, I am essentially am the culinary partner there. Um, they brought me on to come in and build their culinary department. Um, so, as you know, uh, Oregon, the state of Oregon, if you sell alcohol, you have to serve food. What what makes the
1: food scene so incredible? Because every bar has to have a high bar. Right. When it comes to food, they can't just call Cisco and throw out, because they're not going to survive. Mozzarella
3: sticks all day, right? (laughs) 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 Right, right. And so uh, I've been tasked with building the menu, uh, hiring the staff, creating a a standard operating procedure. And all things culinary, you know, managing food costs, doing the orders, um, all of those things there at Capital Bar. So it's an incredible, you know, partnership. It's fun. Um, It's something that I did before I was doing private chef work in terms of managing the back, you know, the kitchen component, uh, the business component of, of, of culinary businesses. So um, I'm really, really enjoying it. Again, it's something that tells me that I'm a I'm a culinary entrepreneur versus a chef. Uh, so, and th- those are ways that again we can expand our business, expand the brand, um, and be beneficial to other businesses out here as well.
1: So, uh, how's it doing? I mean, it's a really tough time because we're looking at a possible another spike with the the third. I think. So it's you know every restaurant and bar out there is you know. T- Putting their foot, te- uh, putting their toes in the water with actually opening their dining rooms and then oh, we might yeah. have to close it.
3: Yeah, it is. It is super, super challenging. Uh, no doubt about that. We've only been up about four weeks now. Um, so every week we've seen uh, improvement. We've seen increase, increases of about twenty two percent. So there there are good things. Um, but but obviously it's still you know empty to. Um, pre-COVID standards, you know, if you're looking at, you know, what our comparison is to numbers and, and, and how many, you know, foot traffic and things of that nature, it's nowhere near that. Um, but we are seeing trends of, of improvement. So we're just trying to get back to normal, whatever that looks like, you know, and I'm just happy to be tasked with helping them, you know, do something that's different, um, in this season.
1: Do you think there ever will be normal? So you you know you're saying they're up 22 percent from a month ago, but from a year ago, most restaurants are down 80% or 70%, Hooray. 50%. So and they were struggling at that. Like there was not a it was not a no one ever said the restaurant business is the best business to get into if you're looking to make a lot of money. For sure. So now, so is part of your charge to figure out the post the The COVID and post COVID world for capital? Um, (laughs) Actually, no. Actually, no. And, you know, they have a
4: marketing company that they use that is local that they work with, and they've been trying their best. What a job. You know, I mean, I can relate because I do similar work, but they have a marketing company that they use for their digital and their social media and their flyers and their street team and everything else that they do to build up the bar. Kiara is just strictly there to manage the the menu consulting and the staff as far as it relates to the culinary component so that they can focus on that exterior marketing that is a full time job right now in this season.
1: But you're still concerned with, with costs and uh, food costs and so forth and profitability in the kitchen, correct? For sure. That, absolutely. That's part of this, too. Is
3: yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just it's not my responsibility to get people in the door. <laughs> Although I'm sure, you know, well, is, in a way well, food, you- that the food has definitely shown
4: us with our increase week over week that it is a draw but they do have a bigger machine focused on the totality of their business um but we are focused on the culinary part
1: i'm going to i'm going to differ with you there is no bigger machine than kitchen killer that's the machine <laughs>
4: Well, I think that's what people are banking on definitely in this time. And I think business owners are getting very creative about who they pick to partner with in order to increase sales. So there was definitely um, an arrangement that that was made between all of the brands to to make sure that we all kind of can live in this season. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. They did pick her based on the name.
1: Well, I would imagine they also picked her because you she does come with a second component. I wouldn't have known. <laughs> about if you hadn't I
4: I consult with their marketing team a lot. I'm in the business just a little bit, but I try to um make sure I don't step on any toes. They they definitely have a system there that they're working.
1: So let's talk just we usually don't talk about food. But since, you know, food <laughs> lately the past 6 months, I feel that uh you know my food experiences are not what they were pre-COVID and I surely don't love picking up food in boxes and bringing it home as much as Uh I loved it in house, you know, in eating. I like the service aspect too. Um, But so um, what kind of things are you doing there that are exciting, uh, that excite you um, that might've been a little different than they were doing before? And that you maybe that you get to do now that you didn't do before. Or it's possible that you the, some of the wonderful things you were serving an NBA star now can be <laughs> can be purchased and, and enjoyed at, at Capo.
3: Yeah. Um so so the menu that I created at Capitol is what we call the Floribbean cuisine. Um, oh, I
1: love that name.
3: Yeah, you like that? <laughs> I loved it when people, I first saw people it, people I said, oh, it's
1: something different.
3: Yeah, people know exactly what I'm talking about when I say Floribbean cuisine. Uh, South Florida is such a melting pot of all types of uh, cuisines and cultures. Um, And so I want to bring that here to Portland. Um, I think everybody knows, you know, that I'm not a local per se, that I am, you know, a transplant here. Um, And so we want to say, hey, let's let's celebrate that. Let's create something that you guys are not accustomed to. Um, and so that's what we're doing. Uh, prior to me coming to capital, um, they were completely hundred percent vegan. Um, I've seen I saw the menu a couple times um, what they what they used to do. Um, and so we've we've changed that quite a bit. Uh, They did have, my understanding was a a vegan mac and cheese that everybody loves. So we definitely kept that on the menu. Um, It's something, you know, but it's something that I played around with and kind of tweaked and and made it my own. Um, So on that menu, we have really cool things like uh, chili lime salted tostones with uh, avocado cream and What else we got over there?
4: Oh my God, the menu is incredible over there. There's the jerk wings that are authentic jerk, which is something hard to find in in Oregon. Um, All the sliders, (laughs) people really love the sliders. There are a
1: lot of authentic jerks in Oregon.
3: Well, we don't (laughs) find (laughs) them. Jerks. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) jerks. Well, indeed. You're right about that. (laughs) They're they're
1: everywhere. I'm not, by the way, that's not an Oregon thing. Jerks are everywhere. But anyway. Yes, yes,
4: yes, yes. You know, but there are some great. Uh, vendors that are based in Oregon that sell jerk seasoning. And I, I wish I could remember the name, but we have been using local jerk seasoning from time to time, but sh- there's the Cuban sliders. and
3: Yeah. The Cuban, the Cubano sliders are, are probably our most popular. Probably they are our leading seller every single week. Um, it's a play on like a Cuban, a Cuban sandwich, a pressed Cuban sandwich. Um, mm-hmm. But instead we throw in a, uh, a two ounce beef patty. We serve three, of those uh, sliders on a, in an order with a ham, a slow-roasted Moho pork, Swiss cheese, pickles, and mustard on mm. brioche buns. So those are really, really cool. Um, we, you know, for our vegans, we, we still kept the menu about 50% vegan. So we do a deep-fried pimento vegan grilled cheese, uh, and we serve that with a seasonal soup, you know. So there's a number of things on there um, that people really love. They come back for. Uh, we're starting to get some regulars. Um, which is really, really awesome. And that's all we can ask for, you know?
1: Is pimento the new thing? Is that the, the 2020?
3: Is, is it the new kale? I don't I know. I heard really
1: about it until like a year ago. Was, it's like everything is pimento. Really?
3: <laughs>
4: hey, but pimentos were hard to find here, at least the sliced ones. Right, right, right. We, yeah. You know, that's the fun part about cooking uh, authentic Floribian cuisine in Oregon, finding the ingredients. that yeah. That's the adventure right
1: there. I would think you could. And you've got also got a... A lot of farmers here who for years are used to talking to chefs and having chefs say, this is what I need. Can you do this for me? So yeah. that's one of the things that made this such a burgeoning, um, culinary areas, the relationship between restaurant. Yeah.
3: And- I can't agree with
4: it as, 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 as foodies.
3: Well, only because again, the menu is Floridian. So a lot of the produce that we use is, is, um, you know it's it's from south florida or at least from the you know so we're talking about mangoes and uh plantains right. and stuff well, like yes. that well yes yeah 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 so that's so those things we're not going to get from here and it's hard to find you know and find them ripe and find them at the right size and things like that um so that's been a little challenging But, but we also incorporate some things that people just really love here. Um, You know, so when we made our tomato, you know, our tomato soup to go with our, our our grilled cheese, we got those from a local farm uh, when it was still, when tomatoes were still in season. Um, You know, it's fall here. It's never fall in South Florida. So, (laughs) (laughs) so we uh, definitely incorporate some fall things um, like our fall pumpkin spice uh, bread pudding on the dessert. Um, So. So we've we found some ways to incorporate some local things and local fields, um, whether they're local products or not, but definitely local feels to Portland, you know?
1: So I'm guessing um, by virtue of the fact that you guys are so good at getting things out there, we're going to have some listeners on this podcast from Florida that we've never had before. So, I think so. And, uh, not that I'm one that wants to encourage anybody, any more people to move to Oregon. You know, <laughs> What, um, what are some of the things that have surprised you most about, you know, you, you said that there are a lot of things that you love about Portland and Oregon. What are some of those things that uh, you think make this a really special place?
4: We literally could make the biggest list in the world, but
3: I can't, I can't, you know, for me, I absolutely love the scenery. It does not get old to me. You know, the mountain views, the trees, the changing of the colors between seasons um, going to the coast and it being, you know, 30 degrees. I I love that. (laughs) You know what I mean? And every time we have friends come visit us, we pack the schedule and we take them to Mount hood. We take them to the gorge. We take them to the coast. Um, and and we go there like it's our very first time being there, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So we love it. Um, we like all of the vegan option restaurants
4: in Oregon because Kiara has like a dairy allergy. <laughs> <laughs> you always say it with a joke.
3: Like it's like I made it up. She has a dairy allergy. <laughs> she laughs when she says it. There is nothing funny about my allergy. <laughs> so, you know,
4: there's like the salt and straw ice cream spot. Yeah. There's a couple of vegan pizza spots that we like. Uh, I like the Papa Murphy's. Pizza that you pick up and it, you got to take it home and bake it. Like I've never seen anything like that.
1: Um, is that yeah, just we, a we, thing? Is that only in Northwesting, or is Papa Mercy's only? Yeah, own
3: yeah there's, they're not in South Florida. Um, yeah. And I, I like the food cart scene. Oh, you we know, love as that. we are definitely. I think when we first got here for the first probably six or seven months, we just stayed in Westland. We didn't go anywhere. Uh, we stayed in these little uh, five square miles for sure. And um, as we were staying in those five square miles, we we didn't get to explore much, you know, in the culinary industry. But now that we've been going out into the city a lot more, uh, we're just finding that these food carts are the place to be. So, you know, my 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 list now, now that everything's back open, you know, my task is to hit every food cart I possibly can. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's only 700. You're going to have to be here for a while. Actually, uh, food carts is, have done pretty well. Uh, yes, through they they're have. They're perfectly positioned because
4: they've always had to go food so they know exactly <laughs>
1: there you go that's what i'm looking for
4: <laughs> you got to you got to send that one to us we're going to post that too um what else do we like before covid there was always events here there was the seafood fest and the wine fest and just always something oh, to wineries. do. The, the win- wineries. Oh, God. Oh, there's no wineries. <laughs> there's like one they're, or two. Play- one of my clients has a winery in Florida. It's not a winery.
3: I know
1: it's not a winery. No, that's, yeah, that's, that's an orchard.
3: I don't know what yeah. that is. Yeah. <laughs> well, man. The well, wineries well. here are absolutely amazing. Um, They're super, super fun. Yeah,
4: we love that. And we love the markets. We love the fresh produce. Uh, a lot, and I think we love the the protest nature of Oregon. Like you know, all focus is on Black Lives. I don't Matter, know what you're
1: talking about. What are you
4: talking about? Oregon <laughs> will protest for everything.
3: <laughs> there,
4: there's a protest probably happening on my corner right now <laughs> with two people and a sign. <laughs> like people protest anything here. We like it.
3: Like we 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 like the energy of of, of peaceful protest. And if we can do politics momentarily, we definitely like Kate Brown over uh, the Floridian. The <laughs> We love her over over the <laughs>
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I follow politics pretty closely, and I care, but I haven't really heard anything about. I haven't been. There's not a lot out there about our governor, our gubernatorial race.
4: Oh, that's true.
1: And that's I mean, surprising. Not it's, it's front and center. I'm wondering if it's just. A feta complete that she's going to win. You can't think that anymore. Yeah. Um, because we thought that about Hillary a few years ago, Didn't right? We? <laughs> and and we're in this really strange last week right now of right. well, it looks like one thing, but who knows? Who
3: knows? Who knows? Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's uh, it's hard to tell. It it, it always is until it happens, and then we're looking at each other crazy, like what just happened? Who knows what happened? <laughs>
1: Well, it's a it's a big thing next week. So, um, not that I you you brought up politics. I know. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not a Portland resident anymore. I, I, I'm not registered to vote in Portland. But do you have a feel for that mayoral race? Because I don't see personally, from what I can see, that either are great choices. So there's one.
4: Yeah. Um, it's, I know it's Ted Wheeler. We're paying attention a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure who the other person is, but I it feels like most of our friends are not happy with Ted Wheeler at all.
1: Right. Yeah, but the the other candidate, um, she has got some pretty extreme views. So a lot of the the restaurant industry that I'm seeing is like, we don't love Ted, but the alternative might be pretty scary. So um, at least he's got some experience. Oh, I didn't want to get into that. Oh my God. It's (laughs) okay.
4: It's all good. I mean, we don't know enough, but I did see Ted Wheeler talk on CNN a couple of times and he seems like a nice guy. Well, yeah, (laughs) nice
1: guys. The fact is, was what was, allowed to go on and whose side he took right. in the protests and that, you know, that's kind of scary from what I could see. You know, there are two, there are, I didn't, as I said, I don't go too deeply into Portland politics, but from what I can see um, with my friends, most of them are on one side and it just doesn't seem like a good choice. Like, I, you know, there there's, when when people try to conflate biden with trump and say they're the same thing there's no difference that's such incredible bullshit. but yeah. right <laughs> i don't know if that's the case in portland boy i have tried so we have gone seven years without talking politics on
3: this. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I, I messed not,
1: it up <laughs> But on this one we might we might go there a little bit and i <laughs> you know i'm interested to hear what you feel because you, you know you all have been um a little bit in you know a little bit I in mean, the middle of
4: I honestly between Donald Trump and Joe Biden you know it is what it is I'm very excited about Kamala Harris I'm excited about um how historic this nomination is I think that there's some opportunity for female energy to have a good influence on 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 Biden and so I'm for that um other than that you know It's all a little weird. I would love for us to have a younger president, uh, 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 a more, you know, I I would love for us to have a more presidential president. somebody, You know, but at the end of the day, I think that I'm just really excited about a female, a Black female in in leadership. So I I support Kamala Harris and whatever ticket she's on.
1: Yeah, well, she's going to be a force for a long time. And it's quite possible. I've always, I've said this to friends that, before 2024, she may be president. So you just don't know. We I mean, don't know. i an old guy. One <laughs> of my first things going into this was we just don't need another old white guy in there. Right. And, right. And, um, but again, I think
3: f- f- fresh energy, uh, you know, fresh point of views is is always a great you know, way to go, whoever that may be, you know, and I think, unfortunately, that was probably a lot of the reason why Trump got in in the first place, was because people were looking for fresh energy and something that was not the same, although that was a bit extreme. (laughs) Um, So as we start looking at I would you know, women
2: us energy.
3: Any. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> black women uh, and women in general. You know, younger men. Um, I, I think that because we're moving into different generations and different cultures, that it, it can only make us better. Hopefully. You know, and I uh, got to say this, you know,
4: we don't want to talk about politics, but it does hit a little close to home for us. Kiara's brother, Omari Hardy, he went viral a, a few months ago. Yeah. Right. When the pandemic hit, you know, as a commissioner standing up to the mayor in, in his town.
3: In uh, the city of Lake Worth in the Beach city of in Lake South Lake Florida. Um, so, yeah. And my brother, he's on the ballot. November. He's on for state representative uh, district 88 in Florida. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is a, a home, you know, it, it does hit close to home um, and everything makes a difference, you know, and that's something I've learned, you know, having my brother as, as a politician, you know.
1: Yeah, we um, well, are not- relatively new. But also for you, Crystal, you have a, a kind of you have to have an interesting take on what's going on in Portland because you were in the military. Um, you know, Were you an MP? Yeah, I was an MP. Um, I'm a veteran now,
4: so I'm an old lady now.
1: <laughs> an old lady. You can't say that.
4: She's my cougar. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was definitely some scary moments for me because of the language that was being used. And I knew it was possible to declare martial law and to really get some people hurt who were not a part of these protests. So I was definitely concerned. Um, I was concerned about bringing in federal troops that didn't identify themselves. I was definitely concerned about that because when we start to get into martial law, we started to get into some, some liberties that may not be afforded to civilians. And so I was definitely concerned, um, but happy that it was dying down, um, in many regards at the same token. So,
1: yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because it feels like it's died down a little, but it had some impact on a lot of people. And you never know what's coming up. We just never know what's coming around the corner and whether it's yeah. going to f- be fueled. Because um, oh, as long as we're talking about politics, if, if Trump doesn't win, those people, his supporters are not going away. Right. Exactly. They're just not going to go away. So there's there's going to be a lot more either way. We haven't seen the end of that Um, at any rate. So listen, um, we have to wind this up, (laughs) but uh, I want to wind it up on a positive note. And I think there's no one better to speak about positivity. So what, what do you two, what are you right now, what's keeping you motivated and moving forward? Right now, w- or or what's exciting you, or or you can choose a place in Oregon that you want to go that you haven't gone yet that you're excited.
3: We can do all of all that. of those we for you. <laughs> um, for me, I know what's exciting is um, you know just just finding new projects. You know, um, obviously, you know, doing this culinary consulting with Capital is is amazing. Um, working on, um, we got a new spice that's coming out. Uh, If you guys come to Capitol and try our French fries, um, we're actually bottling that French fry seasoning. It's something you've never had on French fries before.
1: I needed that last night. I was looking around my pantry for something better than salt.
3: Yes, I got you. I got you. Um, (laughs) so that'll be live. Uh, we'll have that live up on the website probably in a week or two. Um, so we'll be selling that, um, working on a couple other different products as well. Um, cookbook in the process has been in the process forever Chris I, <laughs> I can't promise you when that's coming out um but but you know all of those things are really really cool there was one more thing oh uh in the kitchen uh in the kitchen with killer we were doing uh, in the kitchen with killer we started that during uh the pan- pandemic you know right when everybody went into quarantine we started streaming live all day on Friday and so we're gonna revive that with our new friends over at Basco Uh, We got some really cool sponsors and partnerships that we're going to be doing and highlighting different products. So all of those things are super, super fun. Um, Crystal's being a star that she is all day, every day. And uh, she's doing all kinds of stuff. I couldn't even tell. I couldn't even begin to tell you. You No, no, I'm excited. But I'm going
1: to say you need to get that mascara on before 10 a.m. just to get (laughs) have a longer day.
4: You know, I was up so early. I was up (laughs) probably at like because my clients are on the East Coast, so I was up early without my mascara. But I knew you—you know—to see you, I needed to get dolled up a little bit.
1: <laughs> well, I—I I chose a special shirt. But normally, I've literally—I've been doing these without a video because we're an audio thing. And so, you know, one of the things I really miss is being in the studio—the energy that is, when you're face to face. It's different than when this is a blank screen and we're just talking via phone. Totally different. Um, so, but I started recently bringing up the video anyway, so at least we can have I mean it's been really awesome watching you two laugh <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of energy that I missed that yes you know, even if i even if you were laughing and I had a blank screen, I don't get that you don't so, know yeah <laughs> yeah well you well you know it, but you can see you look you both look so there's so much wonderful energy coming off of both of you and especially together, you can see the. <laughs> <situation>. <laughs> So one other thing, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. I don't think it's really tough. But um, I just wanted to ask you, you talk about going to the coast. I'm a coastal person. Do you have um, an experience uh, on the Oregon coast where you thought, oh, my God, this is it? Because it's what caused me to move across the country. Uh, my first Yeah. In
4: <laughs> it's why we're still here. The co- Nothing is prettier than the Oregon coast. I I think the first time we went, oh my God, you tell them. The
3: (laughs) the first time we went, it was, it was actually a storm. We went in October of last year. So that was our first Mm -hmm. experience. And we didn't understand, you know, we hadn't realized how dark it was going to get, how quickly it was going to get dark. Um, so our, you know, someone told us, oh, go out there, but make sure you get there before sundown. And we lollygagged, we stopped at, you know, here, there, and everywhere and got wine and, you know, stopped Where at the dispensary. You? And <laughs> we were, um, what part were we? We went to Depot Bay. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good start.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We went to Depot Bay. Uh, and so we got there, it got really dark, really fast. Um, so we missed a lot of it going in, but then once we got in, we stayed at this it's a really cool place. Um, we stayed at a boutique hotel, Well, well Cove oh, Inn, um, eight oh. rooms.
1: Oh, you, you don't start small. You go <laughs> right to the top. Well, <laughs> and did, you just, did you eat it? Did you eat at restaurant back while you were there? We did. Downstairs?
3: We did. We did. But the funny part about that is that the only reason why we stayed there is because we were trying to be uh, spontaneous and we didn't book a hotel before we got there. So we just pulled up and was like, "Oh, we'll find something when we get right. there." Little did we know, uh, it, everything shut down at seven o'clock. And we pulled in at like 655. And he's like, listen, mm. either you get this room
2: or you're stuck <laughs> or out. You're here. you're
3: stuck tonight. So <laughs> like,
2: here you, we did are. You up,
1: did you end up with the big suite on top or one of the smaller rooms? No, we because did a
3: big suite on top. <laughs> we did the whole thing. We did the whole thing.
1: Yes. So what was that, like 800 dollars a night? Was that? Was,
3: yes. Yeah, I think it was like seven. I think it was yeah, something like
4: that. Um there but you it go. was it was, you it got was girls. amazing. Listen. If we if we had time, if it was daylight, we would have went somewhere cheaper. I'm the cheapskate of the house. <laughs> but time wasn't on our side, and and thank God it wasn't because it was like the most beautiful thing we've ever ever uh, seen.
1: I was going to say if that was one of your first experiences, you may as well do that then because it was really really special. I've never stayed there. I've I've seen the rooms. I've asked to go see the rooms when I've been talking yeah. to Chef Justin, and he's a great guy. Yeah. Stormy and Justin, who own own restaurant back. And if you get out there again, they have a more casual place in Nye Beach called Sorella. OK, um, we've been, okay.
3: no, we didn't go to Nye Beach. No. Oh, yes, we, we did. We went to Nye Beach, we did but stay, not yeah. Sorella, yeah. Yeah, the last time we went, we oh. stayed in Nye Beach. We stayed at the Inn at Nye Beach or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the Inn at yeah. Nye Beach. Uh,
1: well, next time you go out there, you have to go. There's two places. You've heard of Local Ocean Seafoods?
3: Yes, we went there. Okay. That's the place where we ate upstairs.
1: Yeah. Oh, don't, don't eat downstairs. Well, you may not enjoy it as much as I do, but you get the chef's counter downstairs and Enrique, you know, you just watch him make everything. And it's not complicated food. That's one thing I really like about it. It's not tweezer food. They just throw it on the it plates. It's really good. And so there's the other place that I love. Do you like fish and chips? Are you a fish and chips Yeah. Uh, so uh, South Beach Fish Market, which is like a dive right after the Bay. No,
3: That's where you, went, where you sit outside, right?
1: Yeah, with the, all the signs that say crab, crab and shrimp yeah. and everything. Okay, we
3: went. Remember, you got the spicy shrimp cocktail, the crab cocktail, the place where you had, well, we had to go back the second time. We took Chanel, oh, where they were making the crabs place? outside. That's it, South Beach, yeah.
1: Delicious. Yeah, that's it. And then you got to get the captain's platter and then tell them to add two pieces of salmon. And that to me is worth the, the four, the five-hour round trip. It takes me
3: to- <laughs> you make me want to go get in the car right now, Chris. I'm <laughs> like, we did not order that when we went, so we got to go I'll do I'll tell there. you what,
1: I'll meet you there. I actually have a friend who's got a plane who will fly you down. How about that? And we oh, can- We'll jump on the flight now, Chris. That you just tell us, awesome.
4: try. I'll, t- I'll text you. <laughs>
1: uh, here's the thing. The, the, the fuel costs a bit to fly, but That's if you'll funny. cook a meal for him at, 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 up at his cabin in Goldendale, Easy. then you might be able to have a...
4: Easy. We love paying with culinary uh, gifts. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> we can do that I got, easily. I got
3: the best capital in the world, man.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, listen, this has, good. Been, this has been really fun. Yes. And I knew it would be, so I was looking forward to it. We were That's trying cool. to plan it. I was trying to plan it a while ago, but you'll. Um, but I think everybody will really enjoy this. And yes, getting and this to know you. is
4: perfect.
1: So, so let me ask you something. Um, if people go to Capitol, do they see you there? Are you there?
3: I am co- there most days. Yeah, I'm there most days. Um, you know, I try to take some days off to spend with Crystal. But uh, even though when I take these days off, she's still working. So I don't understand why I'm taking days off. Um, but but yeah, I am there most days. Um, if, but they can't, they won't see you unless they ask for you. Yeah, but yeah, they can always ask and I'll, and I'll come up. The kitchen there is in the basement. So it's not one of these cool working kitchens where you see me. Um, but but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely come out. And uh, there are a couple of days where we do some so, so, social events. Um, so I kind of hang out in the dining room a little bit um, just to, meet people and try to get them to come back and see what they like and what they don't like and all that kind of cool stuff. So for sure, I'm I'm, I'm around.
1: In the meantime, everybody can find you at kitchenkilla.com.
3: Absolutely. And they can
1: find you at kitchen underscore killa on Instagram.
3: Absolutely. Right? Yes.
1: And then we have to do this. Crystal, where where does everybody find you? Who needs the best publicist (laughs) out there?
4: (laughs) So uh, my website is just press release. So J-U-S T press release.com. And I'm on Instagram, press release LLC on Instagram.
1: Very good. And it's a they're both kind of they're not kind of, they're fun to follow. So yeah. I suggest that for anyone. She's
3: definitely so, more um, fun than me to follow. <laughs> pardon me? I say Crystal's definitely more fun than me to follow. She she keeps it all busy. She keeps it all. Well, she, but she
1: highlights things. she highlights you and makes you shine too so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well listen thank you so much
4: thank, thank you Chris. Chris appreciate
2: it right at the fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at food PDX or on Facebook at right at the fork or online at right at